Welcome to Comic Virgin, the podcast that exposes a first-timer to the greatest comic stories ever printed on the formula page. From back alley vigilantes to space-faring demigods, none of their fingers in every tight little nook and cranny pop culture has to offer. And now, the hosts of Comic Virgin, Jason Stevens and Delaney Bowers. Hey everyone, welcome to Comic Virgin. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. And I'm Big D from the BPRD. What does BPRD stand for? Okay, it's Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. That's right. Bam. Things that bump in the night, they bump back. With fists and guns and spears and we'll be talking about all of that because today on comic virgin we are covering hellboy seed of destruction pew, pew, pew. it's gonna be so cool <laughs> it's one of my favorite properties of all time um i love the hellboy series i've got the bprd, lo- BPRD logo tattooed on the back of my hand and um wait they're called properties yeah like intellectual properties. Yeah, IPs. Yeah, yeah. I'm just guessing. I'm just putting it out there. I don't think I've ever heard of, like of a series referred to as a property before. Well, because it is. It's like a. It's ba- It's almost. I would almost consider it a franchise. Yeah. It's been. It's it's movies. It's action figures. It's comics. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's been video games. It's the probably min- not good video games, but there's been video games. Mignolaverse. Mignolaverse. <laughs> That's right, because it is created by Mike Mignola, the mm-hmm. overall brains behind Hellboy and his crew. A man of his craft, a man of so much paranormal knowledge. It's fantastic. Takes stories from all over the world and then warps them into a way that Hellboy can punch those things in the face. I like it. Yes. You did like it. I did. <laughs> I mean, okay, let's just like work our way from the top like trickle down economics but Uh like this will actually work okay so hellboy seat of destruction yes a four issue run four issue miniseries yep in 1994 1994 from dark horse comics correct and dark horse has been the publisher of all the bprd stuff all the hellboy stuff since its inception has dark horse been named something different no no, it's nope. like it's still the same yeah. thing. Always Dark Horse. Uh, they've been around for a while. Of course, they uh, known best for stuff initially like Sin City. They were very early adopters of getting stuff like the Alien and Predator franchises. They had Star Wars for years and years and years before Marvel got it back. Uh, but Hellboy, honestly, is probably the one thing that they've held on to this entire time. Okay, and you said it was Mike Mignola. Yep. Mike and then Mignola. John Byrne was doing the scripting. Yes, on this miniseries, Mike Mignola or uh, John Byrne does the script for this. Mike Mignola uh, come up with the story, and of course does the art as well. Uh, Mark Chiarello doing colors. I may have butchered his last name. It's too late. It's already out there. Too late. Dave Stewart does covers, though, or colors on all of the covers for Mike Mignola, and I think that remains to this day on Mignola's cover. Dave Stewart does They're the just coloring. like a tag team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great, and uh, of course, this what is isn't, unlike a lot of these first volumes that you've been reading for Comic Virgin, mm-hmm. this isn't 
the first appearance of Hellboy. He was in a few other small publications in the past, uh, most notably in John Byrne's Next Men, issue 21, where we get to see Hellboy red for the first time. He was in color for the very first time. He was on the cover and in the interiors with that team. Uh, And John Byrne, putting him in that may be the reason why he did the script on this. I honestly don't know that history. Mm -hmm. All I know, this book is great. Wait, if you said that was the first time that he was colored red, what was he before? Black and white. They had no oh, color on those. And okay. I think I think there was a there was like a sampler, some type of primer that he was in. I think he was on the cover of it. And I want to say he had like white fur. He was a little more monkey like and had more like metal bands and stuff on him. <laughs> it is a different look. He looked more like one of the like kind of like one of the more monsters or demons he fights than than he does himself. And I think he was white in that. In the um, San Diego Comic-Con number two that came out, uh, it was like, I- I'm assuming it was one of those, like, multiple creators, small stories. It was just a black and white publication, so there was just no color for that one at all. Mm-hmm. So, on the cover of Next Men 21, Hellboy in red, ready to go. Does he look really similar to what we see in Seeds of yes. Destruction? Yeah, yeah, a- almost the exact same. Cool. Jason, can I be honest with you? Uh, no. Okay. But, Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know I've said this about um, several of the series that we've read so far, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm being very truthful when I say right yes. this very instant at at, at this on, at this juncture in your life. Yes, as a 32 year old woman who is reading comic books for now. Nine weeks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say that Hellboy Seed of Destruction is easily the most enjoyable series that I've read so far. So it's beat it's beaten something that's killing the children for you. Oh absolutely. Hands it, down. It beat mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns. It should beat yep. it all. Everything, boo to the bottom of the list. Oh, Dumpster no. fire. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no, but I was just like in my notes here, I, I just talk about how this entire four-issue run mm-hmm. just really manages to strike a balance between these, like, very um, sort of, like, explosive action-driven sequences and more sort of, like, narrative-based sequences. And mm-hmm. so I just think, like, it, it sometimes can be, like, too, like, dialogue-heavy or not enough description, mm-hmm. and I think that this manages to just, like, overall chef's kiss. I oh, love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're so so good. All the, all the Hellboy miniseries are so good about setting up, like, the mission that Hellboy goes on, giving you, like, a quick synopsis of why he's going, and then during the course of the action, revealing, like historical facts and things about these characters that he's going up against. Um, I will say that like Mike Mignola just kills it on background and the world building um, stuff that comes later in the Hellboy series. Oh, it's just so crazy with the BPRD and Abe Sapien. Hellboy's on his own. Hellboy eventually is in hell. It just, they tell the origin of Hellboy at some point. I don't want to ruin it for you, but uh, it's pretty fucked up. And, um, then, of course, all of the Ogdru Jihad coming to Earth and just accomplishing horrific destruction of the, of the planet and the BPRD joining with the United Nations and fighting these things. They took it to the limit. There's been three movies. Um, I like them all. I don't care what anybody says. 
And uh, the action figures from Mezco and everybody else that produced them have all been great. They've even done Mignola art-style action figures, which I've uh, kind of been itching to go back and recollect. And so uh, I've been looking at some on eBay, mostly because we've been reading this this week. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's just fantastic. You just have those, like, anime heart eyes right now. Yes. They're just, like, throbbing out of your skull. Yes. It, it's, <laughs> it's so But good. it's exciting because I... I mean, I'm glad that we uh, both enjoyed this, obviously. I mean, you to a much deeper and sort of like longer extent, Mm -hmm. but that like we're able to connect on this in such a short amount of time, I think really speaks to like how well done this this is. This is another one of those things that I'm jealous that you're getting to experience it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like get in, I, I was looking the other night at like just how many miniseries there are overall in the Manola verse, and there are, I'm gonna say over a hundred, and they're all good. And I think I've read probably ninety five percent of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about you, like if you really like this, like you have so much stuff to pick from because you can almost pick any of it and jump right in. And it's not, like, dependent on having read... Mm. No, even the BPRD... The BPRD is the longest-running series they did. And it started as miniseries, which is how they do all their stuff. And then it became... Once they got kind of into uh, the Hell on Earth story where everything went nuts, they started going into, like, a legacy numbers, so they just started giving it full numbers. But even then, it's like... It's really easy. Like, oh, look, the world's fucked up. Here's a guy who can breathe underwater. He's going to fight these frogs. Mm-hmm. You know, simple enough. Because even though that stuff was still going on, Liz was still going to haunted houses and fighting ghosts. It's still still happening. And I think that's one of the things that I, uh, you know, just sort of struck a chord with me is that the world of, like, the paranormal or the occult or the supernatural just, like, exists. Mm-hmm. That there's no having to convince people that curses are real or that, like, monsters lurk in the corner. It's just full force into the BPRD. There are these, like, otherworldly realms. Those are a given. And I think that really allows the plot to, to flow as smoothly as it does. Yeah. yeah. The thing, and it, it's kind of a, a, a weird a philosophy sort of that I have is, like, I would love for everything to just exist. The world is more fun if just everything is real. And in the Hellboy universe, a version of everything is real. Mm-hmm. Whether it's superheroes or vampires or Bigfoot or Cthulhu, it's all there in some form or another. Yeah, I mean, it's like the supernatural is just sort of like embedded or imprinted onto that universe. Yeah. And it's like in such an intimate way that nobody really like. I don't know, takes it for granted and they just get shit done. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. And I think another thing too is that Hellboy as a character is familiar to me in a way that I also know men who approach life in a similar way. Where they're just like, you know what? I'm going to punch it. Yeah, I'm. Yes. I mean, I'm looking at you because that's uh, an approach that you take to life. But he's you just... get very angry when I take that approach. <laughs> it's true, but he's like an everyman or a working man, and like I said, he gets the job done and realizes that there are consequences for his actions or his inactions. And one of the things that I noticed, like fairly early on, especially like just in issue one, mm-hmm. is that Hellboy really just like holds close. Uh, all of these people that he cares for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think sort of maybe deep down, he's a 
a little softy. Yeah, and as as the series progresses, as the miniseries go, you know, y- you see a lot of Hellboy and his emotions and the way he reacts to things, and it is definitely one of those nature versus nurture stories of here's this guy birthed from hell. Sort of. I don't want to give it away. Mm-hmm. Um, Big spoiler. Who is raised by kindly Professor Broom. And so it's like, with in on a U.S. military base, fighting these things that he should be leading armies of. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is is it... And it's kind of his whole thing is like, that demon aspect of it, is it ingrained in him to truly be the beast of the apocalypse? Or will he fight it off and have, quote-unquote, like, humanity as Hellboy? Yeah, and so is that like a a current, like a theme that runs throughout everything? That's, I think that's the theme of Hellboy. Like, okay. of that character himself, mm-hmm. that's his thing. Because we see it very strongly yeah. in Seed of Destruction. He gets tempted a lot. Mm-hmm. There's people who, who know his... Um, Anung Unrama is like his actual demonic name. There's people who know it. There's people who make him do horrible things while using it. Did you just conjure him up? It's tough to say. Uh, <laughs> but in just the way he looks in general, like, you know, he's got those two like discs on his forehead. Well, those are horns. He cuts them off and grinds them down to look more like a person because like he doesn't want it. And in the movies, he's even more because, you know, they've got mostly actual legs and stuff. But in the comics, he's got little legs with hooves and, mm-hmm. you know, he's just yeah. a big bulky upper body. You know, he's he's got that like the big stripe of hair down his back and the tail. He's not really able to hide it as much. Um, and it's always the thing is like, you know, he, he, he kind of just wants to be a regular Joe. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to be like a pulp hero. Right. He grew up loving those guys and, um, and then he gets to kind of be one, but sort of in secret. And then also no matter how good he is, there's always that in the background that am I really bad? Mm-hmm. Another thing that I really liked about this too was, uh, that, like, his dialogue, Hellboy's dialogue, even though, I mean, it's sort of chock full of goofy one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like, it Lots doesn't... Yes, a lot of them. <laughs> it never came across as, like, hokey or sort of, like, eye-roll-worthy to me. And yeah. I, there's nothing forced about it, which I can not say for some of the other comics that we've read. Yeah, right? well, it's like Hellboy's, like, he's, like, a legit tough guy. Like he, and he doesn't have to like profess that he's being yeah, tough. He, he's he's like, just tough. He's like a Schwarzenegger. He can he can say one liners no matter how corny they are all day. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, initial thoughts on Seed of Destruction. Yeah, uh, two thumbs up coming from me already. Yeah, loved everything about it. Uh, one of my notes that I had, and it's just like so basic, is that the artwork is just so much fun. And mm-hmm. I had fun in all caps because <laughs> I'm just like a little quirky girl. Um, but I was sort of doing my own research, and Mignola has said in like several interviews that Hellboy started out as a collection of shapes that he liked to draw. Yeah. And I mean, I just think that's uh, a perfect way of really approaching this character and like slowly over time that those sketches became more refined into you know what we see in the actual comics themselves because I was looking at some of his earlier work like his entry into comics and his art style was just like drastically different Mm -hmm. like a more classic approach yeah yeah and 
I feel like it's around the Seed of Destruction run when he really starts to place a heavy emphasis on shadow and weight. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of um, mostly, I think, DC comic work uh, prior. Um, and really the only thing I think that fully captures his art style is the um, the Batman uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Yes. I also saw a picture of that, and I was yes. like, are we going to be reading it? That? It is on the list for Comic Virgin. We'll Ooh. be reading it. It's awesome. Victorian London Batman. It, it It's all, it's great. And, it's, mm-hmm. and I feel like you could take the Gotham by Gaslight Batman and those characters and put Hellboy in there with them, and it wouldn't skip a beat. It would be dead on. Do they have hokey one-liners in that one? Not particularly. There's a lot of uh, a lot of murder. There's <laughs> a lot of murder. You know I love a good murder. It's it's very uh, very like dark and pulpy, but um, mm-hmm. it's great. We'll read it at some point. It's it's not a long read. It's just a one shot. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the Hellboy stuff is awesome, and it lets him just do whatever he wants, and what he wants to do is great. Uh, thank you, Matt Mignola, for creating these awesome characters. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get into this. We're going to break it down by issue real quick, and then we're going to talk about our highlights on each issue, and then we'll get into everything else. So issue number one of Seed of Destruction, of course, it kicks things off with the birth of Hellboy, where the Mad Monk working for the Nazis is uh, doing a ritual. He's not being very specific. He's conjuring things. Lightning's coming down, looking wild. The Nazis are looking on at the same time in a different location uh, some American GIs, uh, the Torch of Liberty, Professor Broom and others are there, and an explosion occurs around them, and there sits a tiny Hellboy, of which Broom names him. They take a pick with him, and then, uh, boom, fast forward. <laughs> yeah, it's a 50-year jump in time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and when that jump hits, of course, uh, there's Professor Broom, who's uh, back from an expedition. He was believed to be killed on, and he's called Hellboy to come talk to him. Hellboy, of course, sees him as a father figure, and he's trying to be just really... He's asking him questions, and you can tell he's just... Just his body language sitting on his desk, like, he's very much that son wanting to just talk to his dad. And Broom's trying to tell him, and he's really frustrated that he can't remember all the things that happened on this expedition. But it doesn't really matter, because about that time, shit goes down. Uh, Professor Broom is killed. Killed by a frog monster, of which Hellboy, in turn, uh, shoots on a toilet. It turns to goo and bones. And, uh, yeah. And then it uh, kicks off to Hellboy calling the BPRD, saying, hey, this happened. Uh, Of course, he's very upset. Uh, The BPRD, though, go, hey... Uh, just so happens we got a mission for you and that's pretty much the end of issue one other than this very interesting dossier from the bprd archives which features some of the nazi characters that you see with the mad monk who helped conjure hellboy uh von krupp kurtz uh ilsa and cronin and of course Name unknown, the Mad Monk, which is Rasputin, whose name isn't actually said anywhere in this comic series. I think you have to say it Rasputin from now on. Uh, won't. Like the 1970s re- disco song? I mean, 1980s? I don't want to get political, but I refuse to say anything <laughs> the way the Russians want me to. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Okay, 
Okay, so there's that. There's that. That's issue number one. So you read issue one and I you did. were just like, oh, here's the things I liked. Yes, here are all the things I like. I wrote them down. Feel free to jump in whenever because you I are will, a co-host, I, Jason. Yes. That's yes. how it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first page. Oh my gosh, when we open it, mm-hmm. there's like a crumbling old country church in 1940s England that's supposedly so haunted that no one in the town talks about it. Yes. Immediately hooked. I'm there. I'm in. I'm in for the ride. Like the colors, the shadows, there's a cross, everything about it. My, you know, I was, I got a little tingle. Can mm-hmm. you, can you hear it? Like can, how I'm I like can. gushing over it, it already it. of like two panels yes. because everything about it was just like, okay, they're, they're setting this up. I'm ready for it. Like whatever mm-hmm. you, whatever story you have to share, like <laughs> I'm all ears. This is a sh- heavily shadowed crucifix. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, spooky. <laughs> and I do like that. I like that this entire run is sort of pulp first horror second. Mm-hmm. And I, again, when we talk about like striking a balance, I think those two sort of like genres are really, uh, uh, prominently featured in, in all of these. Yeah, and talking about the pulp, one of my favorite parts of the, of the beginning is, uh, with the origin of Hellboy, is the Torch of Liberty just being present in that one panel. Mm-hmm. There's all these American GIs in World War II who are on this, on this, in this place, like, looking for something crazy. Most of them have never even heard the word supernatural. They're, they don't know what's going on. And there he is, in his superhero gear, with like an OD green trench coat on, it's covered in mud. He's got mud splatter all over him. He's drinking coffee with the guys, and he's just like this entrenched hero, much in the same way that like Marvel has, you know, uh, Bucky and Captain America in World War II with the uh, Defenders doing that stuff. It's just it's so cool. I love that fact, and um, that that pulpy World War II action is something that Mignola keeps through the series too with characters like Lobster Johnson who's like this comic character that Hellboy loves who the ghost of Lobster Johnson helps Hellboy at sometimes um, and and just the overall yeah the overall pulpy craziness of it um, Nazi heads in jars that are being carried around by semi-cyborg gorillas there's all kinds of just insane stuff in these comics that get dashed in along with ghosts naturally it's great we also have um, sort of in issue one an introduction to Project Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also are introduced to a paranormal investigation team, which is Malcolm Frost, uh, Trevor Broom, and Lady Cynthia Eden Jones. Are these characters that are ever fleshed out in other series? Yes. Uh, the British Paranormal Society is actually a mini series oh, that cool. has come out over the past few, well, of this recording of the past few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those characters have played a part in stuff throughout the years in some way or another. So we do see them again. Yeah, yeah. And not necessarily in current day. A lot of the BPRD series jump back and forth in time because they're, a lot of them are, are the miniseries are mission-based. So they may take place in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. So some of these characters come back into play, sometimes as villains, um, because it turns out that not everybody's really pleased that uh, this demon is allowed to live. That does seem like such a smart way to structure like an entire... I don't know, the entire Mignolaverse of mm-hmm. like, we can just go back and do however many sort of like one-off investigations yeah. that we want to. Because Hellboy, it seems like 
he was young Hellboy for like he was a child for a while. Mm-hmm. And then like from his teenage to his adult stage was really quick. And then it's not really aging once he gets to a certain point. So you can have Hellboy pretty much look the same for decades. Is it understood that he's immortal? I don't know if that's the case because he does die. As far, now, I, he might be immortal in the way of as far as aging goes, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's just super slow, kind of like Wolverine. It's just a, because also he does heal and he can take a lot of damage. So I think it's just kind of just a lot slower process. Mm-hmm. Also in this first uh, issue, there's just like a considerable amount of Nazi insignia. Yes. Um, and sort of like classic Nazi mad scientist vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned someone who is the mad monk. Again, like Rasputin. Yes. Uh, never once mentioned as Rasputin. Yes. But I... <laughs> but really... he does talk about how he's murdered later. And it is yes. in the way of Rasputin. Yes, it's very curious, <laughs> I would say. But you know what? I... There's this, like, sort of scene where he is performing this ritualistic invocation. And that's, like, as if I can speak as a folklorist for mm-hmm. a second. Please do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, that invocation is really based heavily on religio-folkloric praxis. And, like, I mean, we won't... I, I feel like we could sort of go down the path of talking about the Third Reich's connection with the occult. And we I, could, like I mentioned we, to, but yeah. we, 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 can't. we can't. We can't. We just can't. We can't do we it. Can't. But so we have, like, that, that folkloric aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And then we have, like, the science base to it, where we see, like, electrodes and coils and gauges. And it's just, you have these two belief systems at play here mm-hmm. and it's and it's done so quickly and really seamlessly and i was just like fawning over that a little bit yeah and, and you know and there's always that that saying that like magic is just science we don't understand yet mm-hmm. and this is very much like that tying the two together um also i love that mignola no matter how many stories he's done always paints the nazis as straight up Bad guys, pieces of dog shit. Yeah, like you can. There's just something about them. Like their their faces are so punchable, mm-hmm. and, and I'm. It's just yeah. It's it's easily conveyed or understood that like yes. these people. There's are pieces no sympathy of shit. for these fucks. None. <laughs> there shouldn't be. But yeah, if if you're interested in the paranormal aspect uh, of the Nazis and Hitler, of course, there's the Thule Society. There's all kinds of documentaries online. Feel free to watch them. Well worth your time. He really did try to find the Spear of Destiny. So, wild times. Wild times in the 40s. In the 40s. In the 40s. Baby Hellboy looks like a monkey and I'm over the moon about it. (laughs) Yes, with a big giant (laughs) stone right hand. And, um, okay. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that there is something alluring yeah. Maybe attractive mm-hmm. about Hellboy. And I don't know if it's because, like, he has a really ripped body. Yeah. He has, like, a very nice defined six pack. Uh-huh. He's got uh, a very strong jaw. He has a very strong jaw. Maybe he's, like, no nonsense. Also, like, his upper body's huge. Mm-hmm. Legs tiny. You got a question. In the middle, when does it change up? What's under the shorts? Oh, I mean, only you were thinking that. Uh, I wasn't trying. I wasn't talking about having else, sex. Someone with else was thinking about Hellboy's <laughs> penis when we were talking about. It. They had to have been. No, you were alluding to his penis. Absolutely not. 
But there is also a scene uh, where he's talking with Broom, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where he's just so patient and nurturing and tender. And I think that is sweet. And I just believe that makes him a more well-rounded character. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, even if it's not like, okay, I'm going to regret talking about this. Even if it's not like a (laughs) physical attraction, Uh I think there is something about Hellboy that just like draws you in. Yes. Draws you into his character. I did put this to a vote on my Instagram account. Mm -hmm. I used a picture of comic Hellboy. Okay. 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 Easy enough. Mm -hmm. No frills. No filters. Yeah, no movie. No movie stills. No Ron Perlman. No Ron Perlman. Okay. No Gary Busey. There is no Gary Busey. It's, I it's, I confused the two for uh, for a little bit. That's true. You did. I thought Ron Perlman did the Pet Judge show, and it was Gary Busey, Pet Judge. Yeah. Okay, that was another Instagram poll. Anyway, okay, so yeah, here's yes. his Hellboy. <laughs> Back to Hellboy. <laughs> the Hellboy Instagram poll. Picture of Hellboy, uh, shirt, you know, sort of like open. If at all. If Yeah, there he has had like a trench coat. He on. always trench coat. Okay, great. And the question was, would you ever consider kissing Hellboy? Mm-hmm. That, okay. The options were, yes, just a little peck. Uh, no, he's a creature from the underworld. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it depends on his manners. Mm. It was left up for 24 hours. Yes. 67% of people who voted said maybe it depends on his manners. I get it. He's a demon. Yes, but there were no one said no. And everyone oh, who famous. said uh, yes, a little peck, like four dudes, one woman. So, yes. understandable. I'd kiss Hellboy. If he, if he wanted it. If yes. Hellboy was like, hey, brother, give me a little kiss. I'd be like, all right, man. Like we are, we are, we're pro consent on this podcast. Yeah, pro consent. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> wrong with kissing your pals. It's just, uh, it's fine. You yeah, know? He, he goes through a lot, a lot if of trauma. If you're not kissing your homies, you're doing something wrong. That's true. That's true. I love you it. You want to be on Hellboy's good side. <laughs> we see Broom's uh, expedition to the Arctic. Yes. And there is the discovery of an ancient tomb. Yes, and this is one of my favorite parts of that first issue. Mm-hmm. Is that massive statue that's inside this tomb in the arctic um it's just very lovecraftian oh, just tons yes, of like tentacles, tentacles. Mm-hmm. eyeballs everywhere just non-discernible body and then of course at the base of it is a just a little cross-legged man right <laughs> which you think has been is also just like part of it maybe mm-hmm. he's also like carved from stone yeah Absolutely not. No, nope, they wiped the dust away. <laughs> just skin. Just a, yeah. He's just covered in layers of grime. He's just Rasputin chilling. <laughs> Having, He's been meditating hard for yeah, a long time. For for decades <laughs> yes. at that point. Yeah, like five decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a bonehead. They, and it's one of those things where I like this aspect of it, where Broom does it, his eye opens, and then it's just like the flash, and that's all the memory has. Right, like that's what all he remembers. But also, I love it in the Guillermo del Toro movie, in the way they do it, where. Rasputin is believed to be killed during the conjuring of Hellboy and he gets resurrected in this blood pool and like he just the image of him like a rising covered in the red mm. it, yes the if if do you need anybody, to step out of the room for a minute <laughs> do I need to not be here if anybody if anybody listens to this and is just unfamiliar with Hellboy watch those movies too yes they are fun as shit 
Okay. Speaking of something that might not be fun as shit, mm-hmm. a rain of frogs. Rain of frogs. Plagues. Can you uh, go into a little bit of detail about that? I feel like we've we've spoken mm-hmm. about that before, how rain well, of frogs. Back, yeah. Back in the day, with old Abraham, there was a... Oh, not that. We're talking. Hellboy. Too far. Too Hellboy. far. Oh, okay, yes. So, uh, yeah. So the rain of frogs coming in. The frogs are a massive part of the Hellboy uh, tale of the apocalypse. Uh, the plague of frogs become a huge thing, especially with the character of Abe Sapien uh, through his travels throughout the years in the BPRD to the point where while Hellboy is like the beast of apocalypse going to bring out the destruction of man, Abe Sapien turns out is sort of the Hellboy of the frogs. Like he's supposedly going to be that guy too that has to fight against his supposed fate of being this destruction of man. The government hires a lot of people who are supposed to kill us all. Mm-hmm. It's and it doesn't work out. Doesn't work out. <laughs> Oddly Thank- enough, thankfully, Oddly, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know now. <laughs> at one point, we do have um, an introduction to the top brass at the BPRD. I think mm-hmm. we see like the outside of their headquarters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, like, are these ever characters that we run into again, or are they just sort of used as plot devices to help move it yeah, along? Yeah, they're, they're mostly there just to cover for Hellboy and smooth things over with the government when houses sink into lakes mm-hmm. or buildings explode or giant tentacle monsters are experienced and witnessed by hundreds of people and they got to hush them up. Right. Uh, the building itself does play a bigger part, and they, they move it a few times uh, to different locations, but that's the home base. So all the various like freaks and weirdos that work for the BPRD over the years, I wish there are multiple Roger, the homunculi who's awesome. Uh, he's naked. He just has like a, <laughs> a like metal studded thing bolted over his junk with a ring. And, um, does it go into his creation? Like who just to create? Him? Yes. And there, there's a, um, uh, a guy who ends up, he's like a hard-nosed, he hates the freaks that work for the BPRD, later gets slashed and becomes a Wendigo. There's a lot of awesome characters over the years, and they all, their home base is always the BPRD base. Hellboy, not there a whole lot. Comes and goes as yeah, he pleases. Yeah, he pretty much does what he wants. But they do let him know that another case is on the way. Yes. And uh, it's around the same time that we see an old woman... Who is sitting alone in a darkened parlor, yes. and she is speaking with an unseen figure in the corner mm-hmm. of the room. Just, and she just has, like a kind of a Victorian dressed right. lady, mm-hmm. hair pulled up. And there's a frog in her teacup. Yes, just a regular like tree frog just hanging out in her teacup, which is weird. I mean, it's 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 unsettling. It is unsettling. It's out of the ordinary. There's no there's no scene of her drinking it, so we don't know the situation. Mm-hmm. But. It but, seems ominous. Yes, ominous is a good way. <laughs> especially it being doom. especially it being the last page of issue one. <laughs> no, no, no. We still have a few more pages. I can promise you because oh. okay, two more things yes. in um, issue one. I love this one page dossier of the yes. BPRD report on Project Ragnarok. Yes, well, and, yes. Her with the teacup is the last like paneled comic page, right? Then it's Ooh. the dossier and the po- or the story. Yes. Yes. 
Um, and so this report on Project Ragnarok sort of goes into detail about a ritual that was performed on uh, Tarmagant Island and how it may have manifested a creature in an attempt to turn the tides for Germany um, at the height of World War II. Mm-hmm. Naturally, Hellboy, they, they can't make any definitive claims that what happened at the church in England and then what happened on this um, remote Scottish island had... Any, any ties. Yeah, any ties. But yeah. they said it's a little bit beyond coincidence. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the BPRD side of this event. Mm-hmm. So they're just trying to piece together what they can. And then finally, when we come to the end of issue one, mm-hmm. and I love that this was included. Yes. Uh, we have an African myth about a frog. Mm-hmm. And it, the whole thing is just this, like, frogs is harbingers of doom. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about like a frog. There's a dog and a man and God and trying to relay messages to one another. Yeah, basically right? the frog's like, man's destroying the earth. You got to get rid of that guy. Mm-hmm. And the dog is like, nah, man's cool. And God's like, well, the frog got here first. Yes. <laughs> and that's apparently why we die. <laughs> because Thank of you, the frog. Frog. Thanks, frogs. <laughs> but I do like how this could be also sort of interpreted as a reference to Broom versus the Mad Monk or Rasputin, right? That, mm-hmm. like, Broom got to Hellboy first. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, sort of by extension, Hellboy is who he is because of his caretaker mm-hmm. from the get-go. Yeah. And then we get right into issue number two. woo Which opens up on (laughs) Cavendish Hall, a Mm -hmm. very creepy estate out in the middle of a lake with just a little bit of land leading to the front door. Um, You can tell it's in disrepair. Uh, The BPRD, which is Hellboy, Liz Sherman, and Dr. Abe Sapien, which, Abram Sapien, which I wonder, (sighs) during this time, I mean, the internet wasn't a huge thing. How's Abe getting that doctorate, I wonder? His doctorate? Yeah. He's a fish man. Okay, and? I don't know. I don't know what school he attended. Do they have correspondence courses? I mean, perhaps. I just think it's an honorary he title. He does wear a disguise early honor- on. I'm saying it's an honorary title until I'm proven otherwise. He looks like Matches Malone. Okay, keep going <laughs> yes. on. Okay. Uh, they head to Cavendish Hall. Uh, they talk with Miss Cavendish, who we saw at the end of issue one with the frog in her teacup. Um... And they're chatting up about her sons who were all killed on this expedition that Broom was on into the Arctic. And, of course, just the generations of family, I think it's like 11 generations that have just been obsessed with this shit. Uh, And a lot of shots of Elihu Cavendish, who was a uh, whaler who died, uh, never satisfied, never able to, like, complete his expedition, always wanting more. They show the painting of him, so you get a good shot of him. Uh, and then everybody, you know, heads to their rooms in this big creepy mansion. Uh, you get some Liz history, Liz Sherman, of course, with all of her fire powers and uh, the tragedy uh, that fell whenever, she, I think she was 11, when her powers kicked off and it, it caused a fire that killed her parents and a lot of people in the surrounding community before the BPRD took her in. Um, and then, of course, Abe and Hellboy... Uh, relegated to the same room, even though it's a, a giant mansion. Uh, Abe, at that time, rips off his disguise to show awesome fishman action, sweet gills, and he leaps into the super dark, gross lake around the house. And that's when shit starts hitting the fan. Uh, you got a frog guy popping in who was the butler, who was also Olaf... 
something. What was his name? Sven Olafsson. Sven Olafsson, <laughs> yes. Who they recognize as a man they thought was supposedly dead on this expedition. Mm-hmm. He's parading around as the butler. And then, eh, skin falls off, frogman. Yes. And uh, starts fighting with Hellboy. Um, of course, Hellboy, you know, uh, beats him to death. <laughs> And then uh, goes downstairs because he's like, fuck this, and finds Miss Cavendish downstairs. He's like, you, ah, you're a corpse now. And she's covered in the same sucker marks that uh, Professor Broom had and that Hellboy got any time those frog tongues whip around on him. And uh, the Mad Monk comes out of the shadows uh, and tentacles yank Hellboy through the floor. And that's... Issue two, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. It's almost all action straight away, and uh, big-time cliffhanger with Hellboy just into the void. Into the void. Into the void. What I like about uh, issue number two is that it parallels issue number one Mm -hmm. in the way that it opens, right? So we are uh, introduced to the Cavendish Estate, which is a sprawling mansion. Mm Mm-hmm. We are made aware that there is a curse on the land itself, and that parallels the crumbling church, right? Yes. Uh, Where Hellboy was summoned. And so I just, it's interesting to know, right, that, like, we have these same threads that are still following us throughout the entire thing. Yes. Emma Cavendish, uh, proper... You know, as we mentioned. <laughs> yes. Very sort of like high neckline. Mm-hmm. And weird. She's very weird. Very strange. Yes. I mean, of course. Like, <laughs> I feel like if you have gobs of money, you're allowed to be a little strange. Their and conversation also... is very odd. <laughs> Hellboy's just like, you know anything about frogs? <laughs> and I mean, yeah, she does. She goes into like a really lengthy explanation about her family's curse and the unending quest to find treasures that were like mentioned on an ancient scrap of parchment that mm-hmm. Elihu found. Yeah. Uh, they and, just became obsessed. With right. It. And, like, the deaths that the curse has caused and her son's connections. They, uh, I think you had mentioned, uh, also traveled with uh, Professor Broom mm-hmm. to the Arctic um, to explore that lost temple. Yeah, and they were, they were all supposedly killed... During that, Broom, the only survivor, and yet mm-hmm. we've already seen at least one of them came back altered. Right, again, and like he was, there was no attempt to disguise Sven Olaf. No, not at all. And in fact, they bring it up, <laughs> there's like, it's, they had to know we know who that was. Right. Like, it's just odd, yeah. Um, yeah, my, one of my favorite parts is uh, the reveal of Abe. Uh, Abe Sapien is one of my favorite comic book characters, even more so than Hellboy. Um, mostly because, I mean, Hellboy, for a time in the comics, takes a leave of absence from the BPRD, so Abe pretty much leads the squad. And that, plus his miniseries, plus just just his overall look, like, I just, I don't know, something about him, man. He's super cool. And so that just, like, reliving, like, that first reveal of Abe as the fish guy. Like, he's so cool looking. Is the man who plays the fish guy in Shape of Water the same man who plays Abe Sapien? Yes, Ooh, he is typecast. And Guillermo Toro directed, <laughs> well, two of the Hellboy movies and Shape of Water, yes. He really has uh, a type. He does, well, super tall and scrawny. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Ooh, I've been Doug there Jones. before. Yeah, Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. He, he does great. I feel like we've also maybe seen him on the the reality television show competition Face Off. Has he been yes, on there before? Yes, yes. Also, he's in <laughs> he's in Pan's Labyrinth uh, as multiple characters. Mm-hmm. He's also the Silver Surfer in the horrible Fantastic Four in the Silver Surfer movie. Um, Hot take. Just he. If there's an odd, creepy creature, whether it be man or woman, on screen and it's live action, mm-hmm. there's a chance it's Doug Jones. Like he's, I'm finally in a way. He's the best. That's good. Uh, we see Emma once again speaking with the man in the corner, but this time his face is revealed, mm-hmm. and it is the same man who summoned Hellboy nearly 50 years prior. Again, this man does not age as well. No, he's got some sort of life force running through him. He's made a deal with someone. Or some things. Ooh, Ooh. that was good. Mm, yeah, no, let's just end it. That's it. That's, I can't top that. Yep. No. Goodbye. Yep. Um, we also have some background info, like you mentioned, on Liz Sherman and her pyrokinetic powers, mm-hmm. as well as Ape Sapien and his sort of aquatic powers. Is that? I mean, he's yeah, yeah. We just sort of take uh, he, it for he's he can breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he is very tough. In the movies, he's. Not as much, but in the comics, yeah, he can take he can take a beating just like Hellboy. I feel like you've mentioned maybe in in passing that like he can touch people. Is that a thing? Yeah, in the movies, they've got the deal where he can touch you and he, like he can like read your thoughts or, or see the past or whatever. And he can touch objects. I honestly don't think that's a comic based thing. I think that was just them trying to flesh out the overall BPRD and not going. Hey, here's two tough guys. Okay. Yeah. Do I? I know that you mentioned Ape Sapien has his own series. Yeah, yeah. He had his own. He had his own miniseries for a while. And which, what about Liz Sherman? Liz, mm, she's been the star of a lot of things, and she's led the BPRD for a while, especially in the Hell on Earth stuff. Because mm-hmm. Abe at that time is off on his own. Um, so during that time, Liz is kind of leading the BPRD. And the funny thing is, like, she's like. Even when they come to Cavendish Hall, she's the one who is at the door. Hellboy and Abe in disguise are behind her. Because she's like the human she's face. A human, right. Although she has like the most destructive, uncontrollable powers of all. And in her head is probably more the monster than any of them, mm-hmm. just simply because of the killing of the parents and all that, even though I mean you know, complete accident. But like she she has a lot of weight on her from all of that. But she managed to harness those powers from a fairly early age. For the most part. Oh, and then I think, what, like in her 20s maybe something yeah, again they, happened? Yeah, but even, especially in the movies too, there's like, there's times where she loses control, but she gets a lot better at it. And she just, I mean, there's times in the Hell on Earth storyline where she's just burning down Lovecraftian monsters left and right. Mm-hmm. When Abe Sapien sort of, like, jumps through the window to go explore the waters beneath yeah. the estate. Make, makes no sound when he hits the water. I like it. <laughs> uh, and when he comes up, you know, like, from mm-hmm. the water and is now below uh, the Cavendish Mansion, he mentions that space being, like, a place of death, that nothing is alive in those waters. And once again, that harkens back to the Arctic Temple. Right? Yeah. Like, nothing is alive in here, except it seems like everything is alive. That's yeah. just, like, I don't know. Uh, once well, anything, again, another... Anything that alive is evil. <laughs> yes. And, like, once again, there's that just, like, oh, this is a nice parallel to something that we've already mm-hmm. come across. Yeah. 
We know that technically uh, the Mad Monk is Hellboy's creator in some sort of, at least yes. from from this. In, in the way of like birthing him from where he was before yes. to this plane of existence, yes. Um, but he also, uh, the Mad Monk really sort of pushes this agenda that like Hellboy must learn and fully understand his purpose for creation and that Rasputin is the only one who can help him solve that mystery. Yeah. And it's, I mean, throughout the entire series, Rasputin is always presenting himself as the only answer to everything. Mm -hmm. Like only he can summon the force of destruction. Only he can lead Hellboy down the right path. He uses this line that like, this is the role that you were summoned to play. Like, he has a destiny. He has a purpose. There's not a request. It's a demand that he follows him. Yeah. Man, what a narcissist. Well. Right? I think it's I think it's in character. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I am not I'm not a Rasputin um, apologetic. Yeah, supposedly <laughs> Rasputin supposedly had a had a, a horse like penis that was cut and put into a jar after he was dead. Mm. Which I think was just another Rasputin boast, but who's to say? Who's to say? Um, yeah, lover of the Russian queen, and Russia's I, greatest love machine. D- during this this issue, also one thing I love is that uh, Mike Mignola action, who punch him ups kills it. Uh, for someone who draws like such, just like kind of block shapes and so much shadow, there's still so much movement. There's like six pages of Hellboy battling this frog and just smashing it to pieces it's so good it just makes you just like flip 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 through the pages quick there's not really any dialogue hardly you don't need it you know what's happening you can tell easily what's going down and it's super intense yeah i'm looking right here at this one page of just like hellboy being sort of crushed by this giant tentacle that has come oh up yeah they come through the floor yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that's actually i've written that down cliffhanger ending is one of the highlights of this issue with all those tentacles wrapped around him and yeah, you just, just see his. Yeah, you just see his hand and yeah. this, that. Because like around. Rasputin's boasting all this stuff, and then he's backing it up immediately. Right. It's not. It's not just talk at no. this point. <laughs> yeah. Not for Hellboy. <laughs> Which leads us to. And Liz is just gone. Oh, she's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. Yeah. Can't get a hold of her on the radio. Disappeared completely. Abe is below Cavendish Hall somewhere, and now Hellboy maybe is as well. Yes. And then we get into issue three. Issue three. So, real quick, issue three is Hellboy falls into the bowels, the dirty, filthy, squirmy bowels of Cavendish Hall, uh, and is confronted by Rasputin. Basically, this is the point where Hellboy is a captive audience for Rasputin just to monologue his ass off. There's so much <laughs> monologuing. There's so many pages. Uh, Liz has been taken. Uh... The next, oh, I just love it so much. <laughs> they talk all about the Ogdru Jihad. They talk about Ragnarok, Hellboy's destiny, the whole deal. And then you know what Hellboy does? Hellboy shoots Rasputin in the fucking face. <laughs> and then Rasputin just spews some type of like spell talk out. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like sigil speak and just keeps on coming. Um,. And then there's another frog attack. So Hellboy's getting beat up by another, another frog. Um, Abe 
in the meantime, is uh, below Cavendish Hall, kind of like in... I don't even know what it would be, like a... Like a... I don't know, like a drainage system or something. But anyway, he comes around a corner, and there's kind of like an opening, like a tunnel opening to, like, the lake. And he sees two frogs holding the body of Miss Cavendish. So it's basically like her two sons are cradling her body, and they just take her below the waters. Mm -hmm. And he sees that, and he's like, ah, weird, kind of sweet. And then he just falls through some rotting wood and is confronted with the corpse, the well-preserved corpse of Elihu Cavendish holding his whaling spear. Um, it Yes, and then uh, as that's happening, you're like, what the shit? It goes back to Rasputin. Rasputin then tells his past. He talks all about what he was doing after his possible failed experiment uh, with the Nazis. Uh, and basically him just doing, you know, more experiments and then taking off to the Arctic and then just chilling in that temple, waiting around for somebody to show up to be his, uh, I don't know, I guess his eyes and ears to the world. And it was Professor Brutenholm. Um, and, of course, he also says that Liz is going to be his new puppet because it turns out she's full of fiery power and he kind of digs it. And if Hellboy doesn't want to get it going, fuck him. Doesn't need him. He's got Liz. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then, of course, right then, you find out that Sadu Him, which is the name of that giant, multi-tentacled statue, turns out, also not just a statue. <laughs> that was a giant monster. It's now somehow under Cavendish Hall, and it's just wiggling around, just wiggling around in the dark. Hellboy's looking up at it. This thing's like three stories high. It's freakishly huge. Um, Abe, another cliffhanger ending, which is all, I dig it, especially for a miniseries. Mm -hmm. You see this giant freakish monster, like, what the hell's going to happen? Where's Abe at? Flashes back. There's a corpse of Elihu Cavendish. There's the ghost of Elihu Cavendish standing behind him. And Abe knocked the fuck out. I, when I first read that, I, I missed it. I was just like, yeah. well, no, what's happening here? I guess I didn't really... Just, I mean, He was just out, out like a light. We'll get to it. I know we will. <laughs> but this was uh, lost on me the first time, uh, my first read-through. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at the beginning of issue three, just to yes. go back, uh, we have this like face-off between Hellboy and the Mad Monk. Mm -hmm. Again, he references being the single person who can harness the power to free the beast. Yeah. Which is Agdru Jahan, yep. the Seven Beasts. Okay. And it I, shows them encased in like these big crystalline yes. things. Yeah. Um, I might regret asking this question. Yes. I don't know how long of a tangent you could go on. But <sighs> do uh <laughs> do does uh does the Agdru Jahad play a role throughout the entire Hellboy universe, or is it just yes. mostly con okay? So it's not, not just not, it, not as much, mm -hmm. but they are tied to the frogs and the frog splashes, all of it. Their resurrection isn't as big of a factor through a lot of the time because they go to a lot of ghost stories. Hellboy goes to Mexico and wrestles vampires. There's things that happen unrelated mm -hmm. to this overarching story with Rasputin, but eventually the shit goes down. And then for a couple of years, the storyline is literally called Hell on Earth, and that's what it is. So do we ever actually see 
these like other seven beasts sort of embodied and not a yes. crystalline structure? Yes, they are massive. Okay. Like they are like when they come out of the earth, they engulf cities. So definitely like old gods. Yes, they engulf yes. cities and then they spew eggs and ooze full of other creatures. Mm-hmm. It's just yes, it's it's I wish yeah. I had the power to spew you do. ooze and eggs and It's other... a womb. Oh, get out of here. I'm <laughs> shutting this down. We made it 9 episodes. 9 episodes, guys. <laughs> we had a good run of it. Okay, we also have the return of the Torch of Liberty's gun. Yes. This is the second time that we see Hellboy use it. Yes, and this is the instance where Hellboy talks about the Torch of Liberty gave it to him and yes. trained him, which is awesome. I forgot about that. Do um <laughs> Okay. Does that does he like carry that throughout like yeah. forever? It's Hellboy's always pistol. Just, like, by, okay. That that's on that that belt generally um it's full of pouches which have reliquaries and stuff he's got stashed away that mm-hmm. okay. Generally there's at least one rosary hanging off of it mm-hmm. and that gun all the time. The only two things you need in life for yes. protection. Yes. If you're a demon that fights monsters. Um uh, who's to say some days? <laughs> Okay, so this gun, it only seems to, you know, he he shoots it at the Mad Monk, which only seems to infuriate him. Mm -hmm. Even more, he says, never raise a hand to me again, creature. And it's just, like, so impersonal. There's, like, a master-slave relationship to it. Yes. Which really just, like, totally contradicts uh, Hellboy's relationship with Broom. Yeah, yeah. To to Rasputin, Hellboy's a tool. A tool. Yeah, he's he's the key to open the door, basically. And we also see, like, uh... Rasputin's desire to create a new breed of titans for the future Mm -hmm. that has Aryan and like Nazi centric undertones or is that just really overtones yeah just in general (laughs) just generally bad and that's like his whole his whole gimmick right like Mm -hmm. his whole shebang is to just take over the world and to serve as a god and harness the power of these beasts right serve as like as the bringer of these things, almost like it's sometimes it reads as like to me as like a self preservation. Okay. Like he wants to, he knows these things exist. He's going to be the one to be like the, I'm the good one. I brought you guys here. Mm-hmm. Now I get to live and do right. what I want. Please give me something okay. to rule over. <laughs> Ew, what a little sniveling bitch. I yes. hate him so much. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> And this is also the issue where we finally tie in Rasputin's background with Hitler, Himmler, and I think the Thule Society. Yes. Okay, in those, can you speak a little bit more on who those folks are? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Thule Society is is a legit thing that uh, did (laughs) help out Hitler uh, during the Nazi regime, and they were obsessed with the occult, and they were a, a big part of... Hunting the Spear of Destiny and, and trying to find ways and, and sadly experimenting on people to also in that aspect. Um, and characters from this, created for this, um, Rupert Carl Cronin is probably the most important one for the Hellboy universe. He's the one who looks like he has kind of a gas mask on and the, okay. and the captain's head. He's got mm-hmm. the goggles and the flat face because he's wearing a mask. Um... He he plays a lot bigger part uh, in the first Hellboy movie from Guillermo Toro is based off kind of based off Seed of Destruction. He plays a lot bigger part in that than he does in this. Um, 
but he's basically this guy who is who is this Nazi um, scientist who, of course, was obsessed with the occult, part of the Thule Society. He was also obsessed with um, surgeries, and he would did self-surgery, and he just constantly taking off parts of his body and, and just all this shit. And um, in the movie, he's, like, filled himself with sand, and he's almost like a clockwork man. It's crazy stuff. Um, and then, of course, Elsa is just a very evil woman who wants to constantly resurrect Rasputin and bring about the Ardru Jihad. Um, the other character is really not a big deal. Those two are the kind of the prime Rasputin cronies who do their best to continue um, Rasputin's crusade, I guess. Uh, over the course of time. You're telling me this giant gorilla with bolts sticking out of his neck oh, isn't important? You get to him later. <laughs> but he's very much in a couple stories on his own. Um, super fun punch him up stories. Uh, Hellboy whips his ass. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I wouldn't that, expect anything that less. that Nazi head in a jar mm -hmm. is actually what kind of controls him. He's the evil scientist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once again, speaking just a little bit more on... I sort of um, Rasputin's connection with this, like, ragtag bunch of assholes. Mm -hmm. You know, it really... This section of the issue is just, like... I used the term before, but just, like, a narcissist, where he uses phrases like mere humans and their puny minds and small minds or fools, right? Like, he has this pattern of using other people for his personal gain, mm -hmm. which we see uh, happen very quickly in the next issue. Yeah, which, which uh, uh, Rasputin historically, which, I mean, it may be why they didn't mention his name in this, because maybe at the time, you know, Mignola was a lot younger. It may be one of those things that he was just worried that somebody was going to try to sue him for something. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, Rasputin's character in actual history was very much that manipulator clawing his way to the top, tricking everyone, using everyone. So it's very much in character. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's this hubris that leads to his destruction. And, but I mean, but like, yeah, but not without <laughs> sort of ruining the lives of countless other people. Yes. Uh, yes. Before that happens. And helping out just the worst people on the history of Earth. Yes. Uh, I know that we touched on this very um, briefly the Agdru Jihad, the Sadu... Saduhim, yeah, yeah. That's that's I've got written that as one of my highlights of this, is the mm -hmm. fact that he's there. Like, that statue wasn't just a statue. That was him, just kind of like... Was he inhabiting I, 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 that statue? I guess... It, or, if it's, if it's like Rasputin, mm -hmm. that was just dust and stuff covering his body, and oh, he was I just see. like okay. in hibernation. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got to Cavendish Hall, but I assume a giant tentacled otherworldly creature can do whatever they want. Right. So. Naturally. I'm just going to assume some type of uh, something wet, squirming, mm -hmm. just really gross sounding. Even teleportation for him, I imagine, is very gross. Squelching wetly. Yes, squelching wetly. <laughs> <laughs> In the last uh, page of issue three, Again, we, we sort of spoke on it a little bit earlier, but we have Ape Sapien passed out um, on the ground. Uh, Elihu Cavendish with his harpoon mm -hmm. looking very much uh, sort of alive. Yeah, he's just like... Uh, he, and then there's his ghost or spirit yeah, behind him. He's just like a super preserved corpse. Yeah, like, magically preserved? I don't know. 
Hey, there was a philosopher named Jeremy Bentham who had his own body taxidermied. You can go visit it. He's stuffed. I'm just saying, this mm-hmm. could be what's happening there. It could be. Or it's just a rotten corpse that's been kept alive. Or it's a comic book. I don't need you bringing <laughs> that type of bullshit <laughs> logic onto our podcast. <laughs> Get it out of here. Uh, it's great. Regardless, it's Regardless, awesome. cliffhanger ending, right. which takes us to... The final issue, issue four. Let's get through it real quick. Here we go. We got Rasputin back on his bullshit with Liz in a trance by his side. They're sort of like mounted up on part of Sudahim, just like hanging out. Um, Hellboy being killed by the Frogman because, yeah, like I said... Um, Rasputin, the Mad Monk, is just like, look, Hellboy, if you're not going to join me, you can go fuck yourself. This frog's going to eat your face. Uh, and he, that the frog is actually cramming its fingers into Hellboy's body, which, as we've seen from what little time it is, tough skin to penetrate. So uh, that frog is strong as shit. And I know I said penetrate, and Delaney's making a face, but you know what? I'm going to keep on moving I on. I didn't make a face. I I'm winked at you because it was... I'm going to keep on moving on. <laughs> Alright, so um, Hellboy's fighting this frogman Well, he's getting killed by this frogman And then you know what he does? He remembers he has a concussion grenade on one of his handy pouches From a previous mission He crams that down that frog's gullet And blows it to nothing Because Hellboy's unaffected by fire and shit um, Kills that frog uh, And about that time Of course, during this uh, Rasputin chanting shit Doing stuff like he did before the Ogdru Jihad's prison begins to crack, and that is where we get one of my favorite pages in the entire thing. A random page of aliens in another dimension who are keeping an eye on the Ogdru Jihad going, oh shit. We will be coming back to this page. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> they never really come up. <laughs> Well, then keep going. But they're aliens, and it's awesome. Oh, we'll talk about it more, okay, but okay. it's fun because I like the design. Mm-hmm. Um I like the idea that they're just, like, kind of watching this prison. Um, it starts to crack. Um, yeah, the extra much freak out. Uh, Rasputin uh, then takes a wailing spear through his chest, through the back, and you see Abe Sapien standing there. However, it ain't Abe. It's Abe being controlled by the ghost of Elihu Cavendish, which means Elihu Cavendish finally got his whatever the fuck he was after <laughs> he got his white well it was bald Rasputin with a bullet hole in his forehead um so Rasputin goes down chaos is everywhere um Cavendish the ghost wakes up Liz who then lights everything up and burns that motherfucker down we're talking uh Sudahim the whole place, everything's going down. Cavendish Hall crumbles into that putrid lake. And then the BPRD are just like, nobody really remembers what the shit went on. Everybody's had times where like, they're, other than Hellboy, everyone's had time where their mind's completely wiped because they're either inhabited by a ghost or in a trance from a crazed, long, thought-dead Russian Nazi enthusiast. Um... And then Abe is, like, asking Hellboy, like, what did Rasputin say to you? And Hellboy's like, Psh, nothing. 
even though it's not nothing. We'll get into it in a bit. Um, and then they head back to base. And then you're like, okay, cool, mission over. But then you get this snow-covered Nazi base. And a red light starts blinking. And you see three of Rasputin's. I get, not really teammates, just like cronies. Begin to thaw from some type of cryogenic freeze. Bum, bum, bum. Seed of destruction. Done and done. Done and done. Done and done. What I like about um, the beginning of issue four is really just like uh, the Mad Monk sort of like total loss of self-control. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of highlights his selfishness and yeah. ruthlessness and his attempt to sort of absorb Liz Sherman's pyrokinetic powers uh, you know, and then, like, that's when he starts his weird invocation shit again to, like, bring about all these other beasts of mass destruction. It's just, like, he's completely unhinged Oh yeah. at this point. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, full, full, like, we've known he's off his rocker, but here, like, he's totally using someone else's body to sort of mm-hmm. accomplish what he set out oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah, and after, after he gets the spear, I, I, I didn't mention that, like, he wakes back up for a minute mm-hmm. and then gets a sword and as his body is burning to ash, he's still trying to fight Hellboy and tell Hellboy that, like, he's the only chance he has to know who he is, to be by his side. And Hellboy grabs him by the skull and just turns it to powder. 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 Poof. Okay. <laughs> there is, like, a deus ex machina what happens. Mm-hmm. With this, like, concussion grenade out of his pocket. Although, Hellboy... It does fit. It fits. He does allude earlier to carrying around trinkets, little Mm -hmm. tchotchkes um, in his coat pockets. Uh, That's very relatable. Yeah, and he's got a a very Batman-ish utility belt that he Mm -hmm. always wears. Even in the movies, too, like, he's always like, this is the bone of Ionysus. And, like, he he has stuff. He has stuff. Okay. It was just... It seemed a little meh. To me, yeah, uh, it seemed a little too convenient, mm-hmm. but I like a good explosion. I, oh, a good explosion! But I think top all, of my list. I think also too in this in this instance, knowing how important the right hand of doom is mm-hmm. now, like having him use that to like rip the frog's head open at the jaw or something would have also worked fine for me too. You know, yes. Okay, here's what I have. This is my note. Okay. What the hell is going on with this strange alien-like command center keeping watch <laughs> over the cocoons of the beasts? Exactly. Your question <laughs> is your answer. Thank you. I, you know what? They have sort of a similar appearance to Ape Sapien. That's why, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't, I was like, is, are they, like, related somehow? No. no they're just, like, interdimensional just, creatures. It's just that's that smooth shape. It, it kind of is a gray alien shape and an Abe Sapien fish shape. It's just a Mike Mignola art style, basically. But I love it. it's just one page. Yeah. And then we and never... And they're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then conceivably it just stops right after and they're just like, cool, cool. back to work. Yeah, like a, a tiny <laughs> sigh of relief. I did find out that Mezco made a Mignola action figure of the alien. Uh-huh. I'm get, I, I haven't even looked yet, but I'm getting one. 
I love the design. I've got to order one. Add it to your collection. I've got it. I've got it. He'll be here. He'll be here on the podcasting, on the Comic Virgin podcasting table, watching over our soundboard, just like you'd be watching the Prison of the Ardujo Hod, because it's kind of the same thing. There's no difference. Horrible things come out of the soundboard. Uh, (laughs) Nine, nine things so far. Nine things so far. The panel where the Mad Monk has been harpooned through the chest. Mm -hmm. This is me. It's a chef's kiss that's happening He's so surprised. (laughs) Yeah. He has no idea what's coming, and it's from behind. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, again, totally unexpected. There's just like, for the next few pages, this like very frenetic sense of energy. Like, I have written down Rasputin dies but he doesn't die just yet but like thanks to abe who's been possessed by elihu cavendish Mm -hmm. so like elihu cavendish has sort of returned from the dead liz explodes which is also sort of like the mad monk exploding because he's been latching onto her life force energy yeah yeah it's like elihu like when he takes her over trance it's like he just like he just like tells her to like i think he tells her like what does he say to her? He said, wake up. He says something, right? And then she yeah, just... he says, wake up, girl. Yeah, and then she just... Boof, it's fire. <laughs> uh, so, like, the Mad Monk's near demise causes the annihilation of all the other monsters? Is that what... Because... Her fire. Well, because yes. the weird alien creatures say that the only way for those seven beasts to be destroyed is if, like, the person controlling them destroys them yeah so like that has to be the mad monk right it's kind of basically what happens is their prisons start to crack a little Mm -hmm. and then when he dies their prisons quit cracking okay so they're not released entirely this this invocation was to unleash them from their prison and that was yeah and and so they they didn't get unleashed okay Hellboy still has to obliterate him, though, right? For good. Yes. And, and he, so, he like, <laughs> there's this panel where there's, like, a stream of light and fire that's shooting out of um, Rasputin's mouth. He's, and like, shooting out of like, a dragon. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> terrifying. I mean, I think um, Mignola does a fantastic yeah. job during this entire sequence of just, like, making his, like, complete annihilation just really scary. Yeah, he's, like, burning up in these death throes. And the best part is, like, Hellboy... Hellboy is unaffected by fire, so mm-hmm. he's Rasputin is is just very limply battling Hellboy. Like Hellboy's not. Yeah, he whips his ass without yeah. reservation, no hesitation at all. None, none, none. And I think, <laughs> sorry, I'm just like looking at all these. It's it's just so good. I know it's so beautiful. <laughs> that ending though, right? Where mm-hmm. um, these three sort of. Yeah. Uh, what did you call them? I don't know, like cronies? Yeah, cronies. That's a really good word. Henchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For Rasputin as they start to thaw out. It is. It's very ominous, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. Because it's not like mm-hmm. this came into play right away. Mm-hmm. They did other stuff, and yeah. then they come back to They this. eventually come yeah. back. Yeah. So I, that Great. It's a wonderful sort of, like, definitive cliffhanger, right? That, like, you know... You know, more is is going to come, oh, and that, yeah. that's just really exciting for a new reader like myself who's already invested in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, plus, I mean, they set up the world already. They, they, you know, the BPRD exists. You've got 
obviously at least three people who work there as far as agents go. Mm-hmm. So then the question is like, who else is at this place? You know, like it's, yeah. Which for a while, that's pretty much their three like, quote unquote, like freaks that they have working for them that go fight other monsters because they normally have just soldiers and stuff go help them. You know, like black ops soldiers, CIA guys kind of. Um, but over the years, they collect more and more like monster type characters to help them out. Is that freaks with a PH? It is now. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And that takes us to the very end of Hellboy Seed of Destruction. Yes. 1994. Four issues. Bing, bang, boom. So good. It is. I'm just like... So good that these characters... Literally this week, as we record this, two different Hellboy... One Hellboy one-shot story and one young Hellboy miniseries both came out this week to comic shops. Still going strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has has there ever been a time? I feel like we have spoken about this with Spawn, where things get a little, a little iffy. Nope. Has that ever? Nope. Hellboy's just strong the entire. I, I've never read. I mean, readership has been down on it. I think a lot mm-hmm. over the course of time. Mm-hmm. But I've never read a Hellboy miniseries that I can think of that felt off or out of place or that I didn't like. And there's there's been ar- different artists on these and they're all great. Richard Corbin like this cl- like recently passed away. He's like this classic like 70s horror artist and like metal band cover artist. He did some Hellboy miniseries stuff. Just so many people have worked on Hellboy and they've done such good stuff whether they d- make them realistic or more cartoony or whatever or even the young Hellboy where he's just like a kid. Mm-hmm. Super fun. It, it, everything's great. They, there's even a, it's Lil Hellboy, and it almost looks like it's drawn with like uh, crayons, mm-hmm. and it's like a Lil Abe Sapien, Lil Hellboy, mm, and Lil, Lil Liz, and they're doing stuff. Get that readership while Super they're awesome. young. Yeah. It, it's all great <laughs> stuff. All great. Um, so, we're going to rate this thing. Okay. We're going to rate in Hellboy Seed of Destruction based off of these four issues that you've read. Yes. Um, who rating system, rating system. Let's rate them out of, out of five of the Ogdru Jihad. Oh. How many Ogdru Jihad do you give Hellboy Seed of Destruction? I am giving Hellboy Seed of Destruction five out of five Ogdru Jihad. I also give Hellboy Seed of Destruction (laughs) Five out of five Ogdru Jihad, which means this is the first. Now, granted, we're only nine episodes in. Wait, have we never agreed five out of five on... I don't think so. I don't think so. This is high praise. I, we Dark Knight Returns was pretty high. It was there. good, but I don't think I, don't I think, gave it... Yeah. I may I may have given it five, mm-hmm. but this is... I think this, this is the first is, time we... This is for real. We've both <laughs> given something a perfect score. Yeah. Is I love... I, yeah, there's... I'm really glad that we... Uh, got to the series when we did, mm-hmm. and you know it, it provides a slight break from more sort of traditional superhero comic books that we have been reading, and it's just yes. it's refreshing. But it does have a lot of the superhero elements. It does, yeah, absolutely. Just presented in a way that, as a first time reader, mm-hmm. I I can get sort of more into yeah, it. Yeah, it's a paranormal comic, but in in that way of like Ghostbusters or something, where mm-hmm. like. They get to actually fight against the monster. It's not just 
there's a haunting, ooh, we're scared, oh, people are dying. It's, here's the thing physically, I'm going to shoot it in the face. With a gun that was given to me by a superhero. <laughs> by a superhero. It's great. <laughs> it's friggin' great. Um, yeah, there, there's so much there in that universe that's so cool. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean... I mean, this has been instrumental. Yeah, in... I, I, this thing could go... I mean, I, I, I could just talk about the Hellboy universe in general just for hours upon hours. And so uh, we probably will, down the line, read at least one more Hellboy-related mini uh, on Comic Virgin for sure. So. I love it. I'm looking forward to it, genuinely. Yeah, and Hellboy, like we talked about, uh, for people who might be interested in Hellboy, of course, Hellboy Seed of Destruction, there's tons of graphic novels for Hellboy. In fact, I, I'm just guessing there's over 100. Man, there's been so many miniseries over the years. Uh, whether it be Hellboy, the BPRD, Abe Sapien, uh, Witchfinder, um, there's others I'm forgetting because there are so many cool characters that have gotten their own offshoots. Um, there are three feature films out that are great and uh while the third one didn't make a ton of cash and people are on the fence on it if you read the comics there are tons of stuff in it they just it's one of those things where there are so many cool comic stories they just try to put a whole lot of them in one but honestly i just like seeing it on screen so i don't give a shit it's super fun uh plus hellboy says fuck a lot in that one and i dig it um, but Gimlar Torto's the first two, they're great. The first one is basically based loose, uh, semi-loosely off seat of destruction. It does take a lot from it. The second one is almost just a straight Gimlar Toro story featuring the elves and them trying to take back the world of man. So cool. Um, there are two, I think at least two to three animated films, which are kind of adult animated films like the DC animated films. So if you're a fan of the movies and the comic, you'll dig the animation, um, they were put out a while back. Action figures, there are tons of. Um, like I say, I think there's some shitty video games. Um, just so much. A any Halloween express you hit in October, you can get yourself a foam right hand of doom. Um, hopefully Hellboy will live on as a superhero paranormal comic. And it's just kind of a big deal too because it's not from DC or Marvel. Much like Spawn, it's one of those independent comics that has just found its audience, found its foothold, found its voice. I love it. I love Hellboy. Got a big old tattoo. Um, it's, it's I great. do too. Just in the time that, you know, you've been gushing about it. I went out and got a Hellboy tattoo. You did. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just an odd placement for Abe's gills, but we won't get into it. It's fine. I'm sure... Somebody would appreciate it, and behind a pay window, I'm sure it'll work. It's well for personal. You. It has a personal meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, can they find us? Where can they find us? Hey, Comic Virgin, if you want to check us out, find us on Instagram. That's where we make our social media home at Comic Virgin Pod. Of course, in the bio there, you can click on that and find our link tree to all our different spots. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you find podcasts and, uh, of course, where you find your podcast on Spotify and Apple, our two biggest providers. Please, 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 if you enjoy the show, leave us five stars and on Apple, write a little something. Tell us if you like it. Tell us if you don't like it. If you disagree with something, write it up. But leave us five stars. Come on, be cool. Be cool. Just be cool, baby. Be, be cool. Be cool. And uh, we've got stickers. We're going to have some more merch as we go through uh, the years. 
Assuming, oh, there's an S on that. Assuming we <laughs> we survive this Mac, uh, upcoming Mad Max style apocalypse, this upcoming release of the Ogre Jihad. It seems mm-hmm. like we're heading towards every on the day. Cusp, yes, every day we're spinning towards. Um, yeah. So as of now, we'll see you next Saturday if we aren't destroyed by tentacled frogs. Bye. See you later. <laughs>